pray. Holy God, merciful Father, what words of comfort and joy you bring us. I pray through the Holy Spirit you move powerfully so that we truly receive your comfort. We receive your joy. We see see your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Christmas is just a couple weeks away, right? Preparing for Christmas. All of the activities that go with Christmas. And so, rhetorically, how do you prepare for Christmas? Now, that question, by the way, more and more means nothing to more and more people. They don't know what Christmas is, and they don't know how to prepare for it. How do I know that? Because there are websites now devoted to helping you prepare for Christmas. There are. Let me give you some of the titles of these websites. The Ultimate Christmas Countdown Checklist. Real simple, 18 ways to prepare for Christmas in November. The Complete Christmas Preparation Checklist. Now, by the way, almost all of these sites work on these major groups. The focus is first, buying the right gifts. The second is setting the scene, including festive music, including such popular songs as Santa Baby by Madonna. All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. And of course, your mean one, Mr. Grinch. Uh, And then there's also the food, and so there's a lot of recipes about food and certainly about cookies. And then on this one site, if you scroll down to the very, very, very bottom, this is what it says. Find a place to worship. And then it has in parentheses, optional. It says, depending on your faith, Christmas may be a time to express your faith. What an upside-down world we live in, isn't it? Preparing for Christmas the Advent season, remembering His arrival, His birth, and preparing for His second coming. And so last week, we saw that preparing for Christmas is one of great, great hope. One of hope for those who are grieving, for those who are mourning, for those who are in captivity. But we also prepare our hearts to receive comfort to receive His glory, and being filled with such comfort and glory, we sing His praises. That's really what Advent is about, isn't it? Preparing our hearts for such great comfort to receive His glory, and then being filled with such to sing His praise. So this morning, let's start with comfort. Now, Last week, I talked about the state of Israel during the time of Isaiah, and as I said, to put it mildly, it was a time of tumult, a time of trial and tribulation. Kings came, kings went, there was war. By now, in chapter 40, there was, they were in captivity. This all happened, by the way, this all happened, by the way, because Israel disregarded God's word 
and his will. They rebelled at him. How do we know that they rebelled? Well, listen, this is how the prophet Isaiah begins. Verses, one, uh, verses 2 through 4. Hear, O heavens, and give, up, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. That's how Isaiah begins. You see, because of their sin, because of their rebellion against God, they were estranged from Him. Now look, as an earthly father, it'd be really tempting to say, you got yourself in that situation, you get yourself out. I'm done with you. Right? Moms, I bet you can have the same kind of feeling. Right? Because you just want to say, I'm done. You have gone across the boundaries. But God is a God of promise. And He said that He would provide salvation for the nation of Israel. Even though they didn't deserve it, He would provide salvation for them. As a matter of fact, the Isaiah, His name... Isaiah's name means Yahweh, the Lord. Yahweh is salvation. So, the, the purpose, really, of the book of Isaiah is to speak about the Lord, about His truth, His righteousness, His love, His grace, His mercy, and salvation is through Him and Him alone. And so now, by chapter 40 of Isaiah, when they're in captivity, God speaks words of comfort to them. It says this, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, any time in the Bible you see a word doubled, in this case, comfort, comfort, in the New Testament and especially in the Old Testament, it really speaks to how important this is. It's an underlining, if you will, the importance of this word. But the comfort being spoke about here is not just a, there, there, everything will get better. You know, just like a little pat on the back. The comfort that God is speaking to the nation of Israel is really about a true consolation. It is a comfort that brings consolation to them. A literal translation would be, speak comfort to their heart. I mean, this is a message to the heart, and this morning, this is a message to your heart. 
And what is the best comfort? What's the best comfort that God could give for Israel? You see, they had rebelled, right? They were estranged from him. But now he says that he will bring reconciliation. That their warfare has ended. And I want you to notice who brings the comfort? Who brings the reconciliation? Was it the nation of Israel? No. It was God who brought the comfort. It is God who brought the reconciliation. And that's the way it's been from the beginning. When Adam and Eve rebelled, it is God who provided a way for them. It is God who has provided a way for each and every one of us to be reconciled with Him. And what is the reconciliation He brings? It's peace. And it is forgiveness. He brings peace. He brings forgiveness. You see, he says that Israel's hardship is over. Her iniquity is pardoned. That is, her sin is forgiven. And it's not just a a one-for-one type of forgiveness. He says that they will receive a double portion for their sin. A double portion of forgiveness. A grace that is greater than all of their sin. And where do we find such grace greater than sin? We find it in Christ Jesus. In Scripture, it says that He is grace upon grace. You see, in Christ Jesus, our warfare has ended. Our iniquity is pardoned, and there is peace with God. What do we call, what is one of the titles for Jesus? It is the Prince of Peace. In Ephesians, it says this, For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now this is good news, right? This is marvelous news. What God has done for us in Christ Jesus, that He has broken down that barrier of hostility, that there is forgiveness in Him. Not just a little. <laughs> we talked about this last week, right? Remember how hard it is to truly accept forgiveness? It's the hardest thing to actually believe and trust that He has forgiven you completely. That's why, in part, we sang that song this morning. O come you unfaithful. Listen to this, those, the verses. O come, all you unfaithful. Come, weak and unstable, come. No, you are not alone. O come, barren and waiting ones, weary of praying, come. See what your God has done. O come, bitter and broken, come with fears unspoken, come. Taste of his perfect love. O come, guilty and hiding ones, there's no need to run. See what your God has done. These are words of comfort because they speak of the greatest comfort. And so the Lord God this morning 
speaks to your heart. Comfort, comfort my people. Your sins are forgiven. This is how we prepare for Advent. This is how we prepare for Christmas. And we prepare for His glory. It says this, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. So, is this, you you should know, in Isaiah's time, and even in the New Testament time, they didn't have highways like we have highways. Right? There were no large, flat, level paved surfaces. It was very rough. And so people would actually clear the way. Right? They would clear the way, especially for a king or some royalty or some important person. But as Isaiah talking about joining the Department of Transportation and, and clearing out those, you know, right? I don't know. I bet there's some potholes where you live, right? Especially back in Minnesota. We had two seasons, right? We had winter and road repair. That's it. For all those who are from Minnesota, you know that's right. But he's not talking about the physical aspect of clearing the road, is he? No, the context here is this a spiritual clearing. The voice who cries out to you is about preparing your spiritual condition. How do we know that? Well, we simply need to hear about John the Baptist. That's why we had a reading from Luke. It says, And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then it quotes Isaiah, prepare the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. It is not about the physical clearing. It is about repentance, about the clearing of your heart, of what is crooked to make straight according to the, to the Lord God, his word and his will to bulldoze those mountains of pride and selfishness, to clear everything through repentance. Now, repentance, by the way, is a word that has definitely gone out of style. Right? You just don't hear it much anymore. And yet, that is the thing that God proclaims that we should do. Repent. As a matter of fact, one of Jesus' first proclamations was, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what is repentance? Repentance is a turning away from that which is crooked to that which is, a, which is straight according to the righteousness of God. It is not just about feeling sorrowful. It is about turning away from that which is crooked to that which is righteous. And we, we know what's righteous because God himself is righteous. Repentance brings you in line with God's will, not your will. 
I mean, a lot of people, nobody likes repentance, right? We don't. I don't. Nobody likes repentance. We want to justify our own behavior, our own ways of doing things. But then that's our will, not his will. So through the power of the Holy Spirit who calls you to repentance, you say, enough of that. I want to follow the Lord. Make straight my heart. You see, Psalm 51 is is one of the greatest psalms regarding repentance. You might recall that it is of David. David wrote this one. And it is about uh, after David had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. Do you remember this? David had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. And then he felt guilty and he didn't want her husband to find out. So he has her husband sent to the front lines. He tells the commander, put him to the front lines. And then when battle ensues, everybody pull back except her husband. In essence, giving him a death sentence. And that's what happened. He was killed. So David had her husband murdered. That's the basis for this psalm. So I'm, I'm going to read Psalm 51, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 12, because I want you to get the full structure of it here. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. You see, true repentance leading you away from what is wrong, and to what God has said and His Word and His will. When there's repentance, the other side of repentance is joy. It's joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, when there's full repentance, there's joy, and you see evermore the glory of who God is. From our reading in Isaiah, it says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, 
for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Look, when I was preparing for this message, this is what stuck with me. Because this is what Advent, this is what Christmas is all about, about, isn't it? It is about the glory of the Lord revealed. And we hear that throughout Scripture. It says this in Luke uh, Luke 2, verse 9, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. John wrote this in his gospel, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Hebrews says this, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. This is Advent. This is Christmas where the glory of the Lord is revealed. It's not just some cuddly baby, and I'm sure he was a cuddly baby. He is the glory of God. That is who we wait for. So when you hear these words, prepare the way of the Lord, it is prepare my heart, move out whatever should not be there. Put in me your righteousness. Let me live in your love and your grace, your truth and your mercy. Fill my heart so that I may see your glory. And when you are filled with His glory, you can't help but sing His praises. Amen? Amen. And so, our last part here is to sing His praises. It says this, a voice voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and its beauty is like the flower of a field. The grass withers, the flower fades, and when the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Okay, when you were a kid, What age did you think you'd become an adult? I thought 18. I thought 18 was like, oh, when I get to be 18, then I'll be an adult. And then it was 20, because, you know, it's it's, uh, one of those years. And then it's 30. And, you know, I think I might still be waiting. But, but as you get older, right, your body doesn't... (laughs) Have you ever had the conversation, you're standing in the kitchen with some friends or just around here, and you're talking, you're talking about the aches and pains and what treatment you've had and what ointment and what pills, and, and you think, we're a television commercial. We're a television commercial for all of those things that they're selling. Do you ever get that? Because you know, you know that the body fades. It does wither along the way. In this regard, though, it's not just knowing that the body is not permanent, 
we also need to know that all of the works that we have are not permanent either. And they too fade. Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes, he said, Then I considered all that my hand had done and the toil I expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So as we get older, still waiting to become adults, <laughs> we know that the body fades, but then all of the works also seem to be less important, don't they? You see here, all the works of man will fade away there, but nothing. But God, this is what Isaiah says, but God in his word will never fade or change. But the word of our God will stand forever. Yeah. And Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This is good news because it means that the promises that God has given us will endure forever. It means that the promise of salvation in Christ Jesus is secure, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. The promise of eternal life, the promise of true comfort, of true forgiveness, of true reconciliation. All of those are good news because that is what God has promised. This is good news. This is great, great comfort. And when you start to just soak that in, it starts to fill you with a joy that you don't find in the rest of the world. When your heart's prepared in that way, you want to sing His praises. It says this in our reading from Isaiah, verse 9. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. To paraphrase, O you saints, go up to the highest place and proclaim Christ as Lord and Savior. Say to the people, especially, especially during this Advent season, there is Christ. Behold your God. Sing His praises. Don't be silent. Let the world know. Behold, here is our Savior. This is what should fill your heart to overflowing the comfort of God, the glory of God. So now, I would normally give you like, okay, do this. And I am going to give you a do this, but it's different. So I would like you to this week meditate on Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 9. Meditate doesn't, doesn't mean going, hmm, doesn't mean that. It means reading it over, pondering, letting the word soak in. Because then you're going to fill your heart with his comfort and glory. So I'm going to leave you and this message by reading our section from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 through 9. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. 
speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All grass is fr- all, all flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Amen.